Hi, everybody, and welcome to That's Life, where we are heading to Atlanta, and all I keep wondering is, my God, why is everyone so nice? Southern hospitality, folks. Southern hospitality. Good morning, folks. Thanks for listening. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, general manager here at the Nahum Siegel Network. You can find me here right after Allison, right before Nahum's live lunch, as we announced this morning, the big announcement this morning with Mayor Kay. My gosh, that was a fun interview. It started about 7.35 this morning. Actually, we gave Rabbi Goldwasser off this morning, so it started a little earlier than that, around 7.30. Went for about an hour in which Nahum and Mayor Kay, I mean, basically blew the lid off the Nahum Siegel Network and announced that we'll be heading to Atlanta beginning Monday, January 28th. We'll be there for a good couple of days doing Jame in the AM, bringing Naomi Nachman down, doing Table for Two, bringing Yoni down just to keep us all, you know, in check. It is going to be a party. There is so much going on that week. We thank the OU. We thank the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem for their support of this programming. And, of course, we'll talk more about the Kosher Halftime Show as details get unveiled as the programs go on. Yeah, we're, we're making all these announcements. We're doing it. We're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be crazy. Good morning to you, Yoni. I, you know, I'm, I'm afraid. I, I'm happy to talk to you about Atlanta. I'm afraid to talk to you about your night last night because I know it was rough. I'll have to, like, why are you surprised about Southern hospitality when you've been around me for so long? I know. Well, because you're really nice and everything, and you're, but it's almost like you're that, you're that sitcom character <laughs> okay. that balances out the rest of us. Okay. If there was a show, if there was a show about New Yorkers, about Cratchity, New Yorkers and their cynicism and whatever. Yoni would be the character who is just the nice guy who plays the foil and balances the rest of us out. So every time we're, you know, totally stressed out in the studio, Nahum and I are like totally stressed out. You have Yoni, that sitcom character, that that Southern guy, that Texan, who all of a sudden comes in and goes, nah, it's going to be fine. And everything's always fine. No, it's not always fine. And sometimes you need to be annoyed or aggravated because when things aren't fine and you're still calm, it's super annoying. No, I'm just kidding. Well, I mean, there are people in my <laughs> life that say the same thing. So. Yes, yes. What's it? And that's why last week on After Further Review, when you were totally annoyed about something with the Texans, again, I couldn't care less what it is that annoyed you about your football team or whatever. I, I'm just... Are you not impressed that I knew you that the, were, yeah, right, that the Texans? I was super psyched that you were just yelling. <laughs> I just couldn't care less what you were yelling about. I'm like, oh my God, I didn't know. I didn't know his vocal cords. He cares about enough to Exactly. Yell. And that his vocal cords go that loud. Yeah, Who right. knew? <laughs> I mean, your redheadedness, like the whole thing just came out. By the way, um, I mean, our listeners, our listeners can't appreciate this. Um, but but is that a rally beard? <laughs> because if it's a rally beard and you guys lost last night, does that mean you're shaving tomorrow? Well, I know you like me clean shaving yes! for events. Yes. So I'm just like, I'm going to leave the beard as long as possible Ugh. until we get to Atlanta. Then I'm like, okay. So right. Prob- it might actually be this Friday, maybe next Friday. I want to put it to you this way. When I see you on the 27th at, was it LaGuardia or JFK? Uh, I don't remember. Right. JFK, I don't remember yeah. at this point. That better not be your face. It won't be. Okay. I just want to. You know, your mother's called, and she doesn't like the way <laughs> yeah. it looks either. <laughs> Even I right now, I'm just like, eh, it doesn't like, it's not such a it's great not, look. It's not, it's not. Who am I trying to impress? No, get over it. It doesn't yeah. matter. You're eating salad. I mean, how much more do you have to do in a relationship? Exactly. I'm really just trying to hide hide the cheeks 
so that hopefully they lose a few pounds over there. Oh. And then like someone like oh, that's the next what time it's I for? shave, someone's like, oh, wow, you look like you lost a few. I'm like, yes. Yes, yeah, it's right. It's feel good thing. Than, oh, okay. So another right advantage now. men have in life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can grow a beard and then lose 10 pounds when they shave. Right. <laughs> okay, true. maybe I should just change my shades all and all of a sudden my face yeah, will be thinner. You yeah, go. you never know. Um, all right, let's do the national holidays. Today is cable car day. Nice. Right. Well, there is a cable car here in New York. You know, we could go to Roosevelt Island. That is cool. I've, I've never, never done, done it. it. Ah, Jinx, you me soda. Um, I've never done it. I've I but on the other, you know, this is one of those things where I say, "Oh, I'll get around to it and I'll do it and whatever." But I said that about the Twin Towers and Maybe we'll do that in the summer. Sometimes we do like random adventures okay. in the city. Maybe okay. So funny. we have somebody has to tell Nahum, I nominate you. <laughs> um, it's also get to know your customers day. Evidently, that's the third Thursday of each quarter, which frankly makes a lot of sense. You should be in touch with your- You should do a get-to-know-your-listeners day. I think we know our listeners. Yeah, we do. We know a lot I of think them. we know our listeners. We love them, but I think we know our listeners. Um, it's International Mentoring Day. It's Judgment Day, which I have to tell you, I thought came in <laughs> September. <laughs> so I don't know what Judgment that's Day- funny. Right. I don't know who's judging me or whatever. Um, I did go for the TSA pre-check yesterday. Oh. Yes, I know. Because oh, so you have to tell me. I will tell you. I will tell you. So they're asking me all these ridiculous questions. <laughs> have I been ever convicted of whatever? And I'm like, I'm like looking at them. They're like, we have to ask these yeah. questions. But <laughs> but basically the response was, yeah, every New Yorker who sits in that seat has the same facial expression yeah. as you do right Where'd now. Where'd you do it, JK? No. I actually did it in at Barclays. Oh, smart. You were, yes, I was you at Barclays, and or as my daughter reason. keeps correcting, Barclays, <laughs> right. and um, they have an office there. You were there at nine in the afternoon. Oh, nice, nice. That's a good. I'm so proud of you yeah. right now. That's, I knew you had high hopes all day. Oh my gosh, stop! Those are all nods to the concert that I. That, the only's not just being creative, right? I'm evidently <laughs> I've been playing the sucks. music. <laughs> I Yeah, I was at a concert last night. We're going to talk about that during the live lunch. We're not talking about that now. It's also National Bootleggers Day. Oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Uh, exactly. It's Popeye Day. So I was going to bring in spinach so we could have spinach for lunch, but I did not. But here, it's Hotheads Chili Days. I don't know what that means, but I read it as Red Hot Chili Peppers Day. So I, That's honestly right. the first thing I thought Exactly. Of. I'm like, that's so cool. It's Red Hot Chili Peppers Day. No, no, it's not. It's Hotheads Chili Days. I don't know what that means, but I'm sure Avram, you'll figure it out. Let's do, because uh, that's what we depend on him for, uh, amongst other things. Right. Can we, do we do the whole Avrami happy birthday thing now, or you want to wait? Mm, happy birthday and wait. Okay. <laughs> uh, fortune cookie for today. Pessimism never won any battle. You see? I see what? You see pessimism never uh, wins. Always be optimistic. So, God, Confucius is on <laughs> your side today. I was going to say, next week's fortune is going to be a big one. It'll be big to like set the tone. Okay. Oh, to set the tone for the for, for the for Atlanta and right. the Kosher halftime show. See, that would have been a good one for next week. No, this Give I needed to today. So, so yeah, you hand this over. Take this. Take this. this. If you want to put that next in the fortune is... cookie that I opened for next week, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nahum Siegel Network. I am joined this morning by a a a woman, a mother, a founder of an incredible organization in Israel who is is not only somebody that I, I look forward to speaking to today, but frankly, I looked forward to getting to know um, getting to know better because her story and her heroic efforts on behalf of her daughters is something that um, certainly serves as a paradigm for every parent in a challenging situation as to what you can do if you're an incredible advocate for your kids. Elaine Tell-All joins us. She's the founder of AV Israel. AV Israel was established in 1994. 
It has over 20 years of experience in the rehabilitation of children with hearing loss and deafness. Working closely with parents as partners, AV Israel helps deaf children maximize their potentials and become full and equal participants in the hearing world. AV Israel provides hearing tests, hearing aid fittings, weekly speech therapy, cochlear implant rehabilitation, family empowerment, and offers professional training to a new generation of speech professionals. Over 700 children benefit from their services every year, every year, and their graduates are the best ambassadors for what AV Israel offers. They serve in the IDF, they are pursuing higher education, and they're working in their chosen professions. Elaine, good morning. Thanks for joining me. Good morning to you. Good evening to me. Yes, good evening to you. That is true. Thank you for joining us from Jerusalem. Um, you had sent me a YouTube video that told the story of AV Israel. You had promised me that there were uh, subtitles <laughs> in English. Yeah, but you're I, supposed to be able to click on the bottom of the screen where it says, but okay. But it doesn't matter. It was, it was it, good for your Hebrew. It didn't work. It was excellent for my Hebrew. But what I found <laughs> most amazing about this video is that even though, and I posted it on, on Facebook like this, that even though I didn't understand all of it, I was still moved to tears. I want to hear about your story, and I want to speak to the prize which you and your organization were awarded, but let's first start with the story of you and your daughters. Okay. Well, my daughters are um, soon to be 29 years old, so we go back a long way with the story. It was long ago when they were two. Um, They're twins. I have four daughters, and they're my youngest children. Um, when they were two years old, they were diagnosed with profound deafness, much to my surprise. I think we moms always know if there's an issue. So I was aware that they were not developing language, and it was a bit strange to me, but there's no hearing loss in my family. I didn't know of any hearing loss in my family. My grandmother got hearing aids when she was over 90, so I figured, okay, so there's no reason to be concerned, and I didn't even think about it until I took the girls, I took one of the twins to the supermarket, and she started walking out with what we had bought, and I called her to stop, and she kept going. I called her in English, then I called her in Hebrew, and then I called her Dana and Tamar, which had their names, thinking that maybe she didn't know which one she was. And when she kept going, I realized there was a problem. And so they were diagnosed, the two of them, both of them with the same hearing loss, age of two and a bit. And um, that's how the journey began. And at that time in Israel, the way that people, the children were rehabilitated was to go to special programs and to learn to speak through a lot of visual cues, to read lips. And I was told to make sure the lights are on high so my kids could read my lips and this and that. And, and uh, they would have to, it would be good for them to be with other deaf children because, you know, they're special and they would be among other children like them and it's important for their identities. Well, fortunately for me, I was introduced to a whole new world of how to rehabilitate deaf kids that my sister who was a physician in Toronto, connected me with a whole program, an entire world called Auditory Verbal, which is an approach to teaching deaf children by using technology, hearing aids, and now cochlear implants to learn how to listen and learn language through listening just like you and I did as children, and and most people learn language through hearing. It sounds a bit um, uh, like an oxymoron to teach deaf children (laughs) to hear through listening, but the technology, even then, even 28 years ago, when my kids, 26 years ago when they were diagnosed, there was enough, it was the beginning of the world of cochlear implants, there was enough technology to say, let's teach them how to listen. They missed 
crucial time for language development, which even starts hearing is a sense that starts in utero. So they missed that time in my stomach, and they missed two years when they were out in the world. But we got them cochlear implants at the age of three, and we started working with this auditory verbal approach that we really brought to Israel by sending a professional who we met. We searched for someone who would be interested in working with our girls. We sent her to Toronto to witness auditory verbal practice, and she came back and she said, okay, let's, let's do this. And um, it's a whole different way. These kids went to regular preschools. They went to schools with their older sisters. And that was my dream all along, that my kids would all do together. They would, you know, do the same route together. When they were first diagnosed, I was told, no, they wouldn't be able to do that. No, they can't go to the regular school. My husband was very concerned if they would go into the Army, and they were told, no, they can't go into the Army. So it was all no, 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 and auditory verbal. And what we learned along the way said yes. Yes, they can hear. Yes, they can learn to speak. Yes, they can go to regular schools. And yes, they did Army service, very meaningful Army service, both of them. And yes, they have continued. They have a higher education. They went to college, and they're today working in their professions, one as a photographer and the other as a graphic designer. Um, and they are proof that it's possible. And I would just say that they are pioneers because uh, 28 years ago, or 26 years ago, rather, when they were diagnosed, um, it was early. No one knew about auditory verbal. Cochlear implants were only beginning to be talked about, certainly for adults only in America in 1990, where they passed, were cochlear implants approved by the FDA. So my girls were really pioneers for that as well. Today, I have to tell you, one of the kids in our program today, which is quite historic that we're speaking today, an eight-month-old baby had bilateral cochlear, cochlear implants um, in surgically implanted today at the hospital that we work with. And she, by the age of two, will, God willing, everything going the way it's supposed to be, she will be finished with any sort of rehabilitation needs. She wow. will have a listening brain. Her, that's where really our hearing takes place. It's in the brain, not in the ears. So if you can get to the brain and stimulate the brain, because it's a nerve, it needs to be stimulated, you can stimulate that brain and turn it into a hearing brain and close the gap between the time they didn't hear and the time they started hearing. And these kids can learn normative speech and language. And that's, that's what my girls were pioneers in their day 26 years ago. Um, and everything started later. But today, when I think of this little girl who was implanted today, I am in awe that her life will be so incredible and so possible. But even I have to tell you what's incredible to me, that this mom, when we first met her, she told me that all of her friends and her family, when they found out the baby was deaf, because you, you can be diagnosed at, in, at birth almost with this right. universal screening that goes on. So all of her friends and family bought baby gifts that had nothing with sound, no bells, <laughs> no mobiles, no musical instruments, no nothing, because she's deaf. And it was so sad to me, because we live in 2019. Right. Okay, it was 2018 when she was <laughs> born, but 2019, when deaf children with cochlear implants and advanced technology can speak and be integrated, go to regular schools, speak multiple languages, play musical instruments, do everything, and yet the default of people still today is not to buy a baby's wow. rattle because she can't hear it. Wow. So this has been our journey to see this happening today, what's possible and still so much work to be done 
to make people aware of the possibilities for deaf people, and not just people, policymakers. That's our biggest, um, our biggest challenge in Israel, is to get the government to see what's possible, how what was good in 1970 is no longer relevant. We have to turn the whole thing inside out. There's no need for special programming overall. If parents want their children who've been diagnosed with deafness to be able to speak like them. And it, you should know that over 95% of children who were born deaf are born to hearing parents. And we all know what parents want for their children right. is the very best what they would want for themselves. Absolutely. They want to talk to them. They want to be able to communicate and not have to learn another language or send them to a place they would have to be in a separate community. No, they want them around their table talking to their family in their language with their culture, and it's possible. It's all possible today. Unbelievable. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. And founder of AV Israel, Elaine Tal-Al, joins us this morning with her incredible story and that of her daughters as well. Uh, watching the video, I, I, it prompted so many questions in my mind. I mean, we're speaking directly to you and your husband, however, is, is involved in that video, was featured in that video as well. He's, you mentioned that he asked about army service and that was very important to him. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I got the Hebrew correct, and you can tell me if I didn't, he was mm-hmm. honest about his own struggle in working with the girls as they in their journey initially that the frustration um that that he felt or that he was um, experiencing in that journey and he credits you um and your i mean i will call it the jewish mother <laughs> the jewish mother approach I am. <laughs> yes the jewish mother approach he credits that to to your to their success well, I'd have to say it's a very emotional time. It's a very difficult. I mean, in all that I tell new parents today who come to us, I actually have changed my tune a little bit because I say to them, you know, this is the time to be deaf because everything's possible. It's not maybe the first thing a new parent wants to hear. They want to hear, I know this is not what you expected and it must be very difficult for you and I know that you thought otherwise for your child and this is what you got. And then I would say, but this is the time to be deaf. Well, many, many years ago for my husband, um, it was not so clear because we were the only people doing this. And um, it's very emotional, and not everybody is a, um, wants, to be a, wants to live that every day and to see how difficult the challenge is for those kids. Right. And there are moments you saw in that video where one of the twins burst into tears, and she says, I want to understand everything, and I don't. I can't. And she was like in second grade or something, and it's heartbreaking. I don't want it, you know, I'm not that old to have lost my memory to not remember how challenging some of the times were. So it's very emotional. Fortunately for my husband, we have two older children and he spent lots of time with them, which allowed me to spend a lot of time with the twins so that they could get the input that they needed. And I'm a teacher in my training and it's something that um, I realized that and that's what AV is all about. Parents have to do the work. There's right. no going to therapy once a week for an hour is not going to teach your child to speak. Mm. It happens 24/7 at home, around the table, in the bath, in the kitchen, in the garden, on the way to school, in the car. And so you really have to you have to sort of sharpen your senses and and realize that everything is an opportunity to learn language and to speak. A complete a, have, a complete immersion um, therapy, so to speak. Absolutely. It's sort of our house became, I like to use, I used to call it, a, it's a language laboratory. Mm. We used to put little stickers on parts of the, on different items in the house. 
um, so that the kids would understand. I always think of the Helen Keller movie, that great, um, that great movie. Right, the, uh, the Miracle, um, the miracle, miracle worker. worker. Right, where that idea that they had no idea at the age of two and a half that things had a name. Mm. And just to show them that this is a window and this is a chair, even they couldn't read it, but to get that sense and that people who came into our house would understand that we're a laboratory. There's something going on here on the fridge. We right. would have a list of the words or the concepts or the songs or the names that we were working on that week. And someone who came over did not just come for a cup of coffee. They knew, oh, okay, this is what we're working on this <laughs> week, and they would incorporate that into the conversation. So you really had to be totally sensitized to this was this marathon was taking place. Right, and you mentioned and that you mentioned that as a marathon, which I thought was very interesting. You know, we joke around here at the network that things are not a sprint, that they are a marathon. You're looking mm-hmm. at the long term, you're looking at, at the big picture here, and you just have to keep running your race knowing that regardless of what everyone else is doing around you, you are focused on a goal. And you clearly were focused on that goal. And and one of the things that I just want to make sure that our listeners understand who are listening to us today or who listen on the archives is that your daughters are not lip readers and your daughters do not know sign language. They do not know sign language. There's that little bit in that clip. That right. They know like two or three words in right. it, but then they... The um, journalist says to them, and so you don't need sign language? And they say, no, we have our hearing. That was my favorite quote. So I wrote that down. I wrote that quote yeah. down. Yesh lanu I, I was, th- that line, I mean, not only did I get it, but that line made me cry. Yesh lanu shalanu. We have our hearing. Yeah. What a beautiful yeah. sentence. And so, yeah. and, 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 it, and it allows so much for right. them. It allows so many opportunities. Every time I have to say, Miriam, that when they call me on the phone to this very day, I can be like talking to the Prime Minister of Israel and say, Excuse me a second, one of my deaf kids is calling. <laughs> I have to take that call because every day it moves me to know that this is possible. Right. It, it, it is so amazing to think about that. What could have been the other op- the other option is just unfathomable to me. What what it would have been for my family to have them uh, to have us all turn into a more visual assigning world if that had been the choice. I just can't even imagine it. Our choice to have them be part of our lives made uh, enriched our lives and changed our lives for sure. I also and certainly changed my personal life because who knows I would be in this position of running a nonprofit for deaf children. I mean, if you had asked me 30 years ago where I would be, it would not have been here. And also <laughs> consider what I'm doing. Consider that if this all had not happened, how many children over the years, over the last 20 years, and including you know the, the, the children that you're servicing currently and the one who miraculously received those implants today, they would not mm-hmm. have had the advocate that they have in you. I want to mention that your your work was recognized in 2014. You received the Prime Minister's Prize for Innovation and Entrepreneurship, and that mm-hmm. your research, the, the benefits of your work, have also been presented in a national study to the Bituach Leumi and the Ministry of Welfare. You're educating the, the lawmakers in saying this is not only the wave of the future, this is a wave of today. Absolutely. When, and our efforts with the uh, policymakers... Um, is also to say what we do and to raise a deaf child today to be a fully integrated member of the hearing world saves money 
to the state of Israel. Right. These kids are working, they're paying taxes, they're going to school, choosing professions for gainful employment. The average, the non it's a kind of I don't know how to say this right, but those who are the non-hearing deaf people, those who are not have not benefited from this approach that we have brought to Israel. Uh, it's known that um, deaf are underemployed, if employed at all, and they are dependent on government subsidies and additional government support throughout their lives. Uh, we are saving so much money per capita on our children that one would think that the government would just sweep this up and embrace what we do. And uh, it's not happening as quickly as I would like to see it happen. And every child, you're right, every child who, this little girl today who got these implants, I've been following this, you know, so I've been so excited and nervous all day because you <laughs> want to know that everything went well. Right. This child has an amazing future ahead Ugh. of her. Her parents, uh, I'm so happy for them. Then they have this little baby who will, who will be almost everything they hope that she would be. She will have cochlear implants. They will need to follow up on that technology her entire life. They'll have to make sure that when she goes to school, she has an acoustically treated classroom so that it'll be quiet, so that she can hear the best that she can. But she will be dancing and singing and performing and doing everything that's normally here, normative kids do. And it's so exciting to know that I was a part of that. I just wish that we had the support of the government behind us to make it possible for all children. Because when parents come to us today, unfortunately, they have to pay privately for our services. Mm. Then they can, they can recoup some of the money back from their health plan. But I say the parents who come to us today, they are giborim. They wow. are heroes because they're bucking the system, and the system is out there. If you would like to send your child to a special program, a special preschool program with other deaf kids, it's covered by the government. But auditory verbal, the auditory verbal approach that we represent says, no, I want our kids to be exposed to normative children and normative behavior. I don't want them pulling at a sleeve to, to get someone's attention. I want them to call my name and say, Elaine, I'd like, you, I'd like some help. I'd li can, can I have a sandwich or something? Well, we Elaine, want them in a regular place. I hear you, and I want to mention that you, in this case, are the Giborah. I mean, to, to think and to imagine what would have happened had you not been the tenacious Jewish mother that you are, the advocate that you are, not only were for your kids 26, 28 years ago, but that you continue to be for other children. I, I, I am completely in awe of the work that you do, and I could honestly listen to you for hours. Unfortunately, we are out of time, but I, I welcome you to join me again on the air anytime you are available okay. or to share more stories with us. It is completely groundbreaking, heroic, a, a new and open and and incredible approach to deafness, and I mean to say to say that you cured deafness in Israel. Uh, that, I, I don't want to take credit for that. There's so many there's so many parts of the puzzle, but I do appreciate that I have been able to I've been privileged to be able to help children and their parents uh, lead normal lives. Um, that is a great honor for me to be able to be part of that. But I'm sure you've heard my line before. I'm sure people have said that to you before. So I, um, I give you a tremendous amount of credit to you and your husband and, of course, to your daughters, who I, I certainly want to interview as well. But we are 100% out of time. Yoni is looking okay. at me. He's, Yoni's looking at me like, you have to stop. 
Okay. Lila Tov, then. I'm going home. Elaine, thank you, Miriam. Thank you very much, and Shabbat Shalom to you and to your family. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Bye-bye. You're listening to, you've been listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. We're going to bring up the music in the background because I know I'm out of time. I know, I know, I know, but she was amazing. Yoni, I told you her story was amazing. Uh, You're listening to Yoni Z in the background. His song is up. We're going to close out That's Life with that song today. Of course, live lunch starts in just a few moments, literally, hosted by Nachum Siegel. And uh, it seems that we have a packed live lunch. I got a lot of things to talk about. Nachum has some surprises up his very long sleeves. So you do not want to miss a moment of our programming today from 11 to 1. And, of course, Throwback Thursday starts at 1 p.m. 4 p.m. is the encore presentation of JM Rewind. 7 p.m., Mark Zamek and the Erev Shabbos Show, brought to you by our friends at Kedem. Tomorrow morning, join Nachum Siegel as he hosts JM in the AM from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Malcolm Holmline joins the program at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time. Naomi Nachman with Table for Two at 9 a.m. Of course, Saturday Night Siegel with the birthday boy of Rami starting 9 p.m. at Motzei Shabbat and 7 a.m. Sunday morning. I had to get the up, up, up in there. 7 a.m. Sunday morning, Matis hosts JM Sunday. And again, what's up, Atlanta? See you, please, God, a week from Monday. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys. Every breath I take, every move I make, I'm breathing you. Every word I say, every single day, I speak of you. You bring me up. Take me down, my heart's awake and I see you now And through the nights when I'm afraid I close my eyes and I feel your grace Every time I close my eyes